This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 13, verses 44 to 48. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city was gathered together to hear the Word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with jealousy and contradicted the things which were spoken by Paul and blasphemed. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that God's word should be spoken to you first, since indeed you thrust it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you as a light for the Gentiles, that you should bring salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. As the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of God. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Moving on, verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with jealousy and contradicted the things which were spoken by Paul and blasphemed. I wonder what specifically made them jealous. We know from Scripture that those who don't love the truth will hate what is true and those who embrace the truth. The Gentiles, who were considered as fuel for the fires of hell by many Jews at that time, were being told by Paul and Barnabas that Messiah had come not only to save the Jews but also the Gentiles. These Jews had rejected the message of salvation offered first to them in the synagogue, and now nearly the entire Gentile city was gathered to hear the same good news the following Sabbath. Paul and Barnabas were certainly ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, and others would be responding. No doubt this didn't sit well with these Jews. So my wife and I, we have an only daughter, Tessa, who's 12 years old, Last year, we hosted a kid in our home for a couple of months. While he lived with us, we treated him as if he was our own son. He was just as much a part of the family as anyone else. He received the same privileges and attention as Tessa. While I think Tessa handled the situation with grace and maturity, she admitted afterwards it was a bit difficult for her to welcome another kid into the household. You see, she's an only child She always had first dibs on everything. Suddenly, she found herself having to, quote-unquote, share the inheritance with another. The Jewish nation, in a sense, probably felt like an only child, God's chosen people. Suddenly, they had to wrestle with the truth God's inheritance through Christ is for all who believe. Perhaps an unwillingness to accept the Gentiles as fellow heirs made it harder for many Jews to receive the gospel message. They preferred the walls of division and hostility between the Jew and Gentile remain. But like these Jews, I wonder if there are ever walls of animosity that exist between us and an individual or group of people. The body of Christ is to be filled with peace and unity. I wonder if some reject a relationship with Jesus because of a personal offense towards a person whom they won't forgive and with which they refuse to be reconciled. 
Let's never allow division with others to prevent our unity with Christ. All right, so these Jews were filled with jealousy as the crowds gathered. For the Jewish rabbis of that synagogue, maybe the sheer volume of the crowd before Paul and Barnabas was also a cause for jealousy. I mean, who wouldn't covet the day they could have such an audience? Maybe they were more concerned about being popular than serving God. Ever posted a video or something on social media that garnished like minimal response, engagement, hardly any interest? And then someone else posts or uploads similar content and everyone and their grandma seem to think it's the most amazing thing ever? I'll admit, it can at times be a struggle for me in trying not to allow these type of scenarios to make me jealous or bitter. So in the context of the church, do we ever get jealous of the preaching or ministry platforms others have? Assuming there's nothing unbiblical about their ministry methods or message, would that jealousy ever make us respond in such a way that would harm the progress of the work of their ministry? Like, would our disdain for the individuals or jealousy towards them ever lead us to, for example, gossip about them or slander them? Would we ever intentionally try to harm their ministry or destroy their platform because of some insignificant beef we've had with them? Like, would we ever seek to rile up others in opposition to exact revenge or satisfy our urge to see them fall? The church has no place for division without biblical grounds. We are to be in unity and should rejoice in the gospel bearing fruit wherever and however it does. On YouTube, I've ran across many so-called quote-unquote discernment ministries. Many are probably great and legit without getting into specifics and trying not to publicly put down any certain ministry without grounds and thus be guilty of the very thing I just mentioned. I do wonder though, myself included, if we might sometimes get a little carried away in how we critique and judge other Christians and their ministries. If we started out as a quote-unquote discernment ministry, has it since morphed into like gossip and slander central? Do we ever seek out the drama, dig for grievances and quote-unquote problems with other ministries, perhaps because controversy sells? You see, all I'm trying to say is I think it's possible to develop an unhealthy craving for controversy among our Christian brothers and sisters that unnecessarily tears down rather than builds up. Maybe what starts out as like a discernment ministry and loving exhortation can morph into something a little more nefarious. Again, all that just to say, let's not let jealousy and insignificant issues get in the way of gospel progress. Rather, let's rejoice in the things God's working through others for the sake of his kingdom. All right, let's keep reading, starting in verse 46. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that God's word should be spoken to you first, since indeed you thrust it from yourselves and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have set you as a light for the Gentiles, that you should bring salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel was to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. Paul would often seek to proclaim the gospel first in the Jewish synagogues whenever he came to a new area. Of course, he would preach to as many as would listen wherever he was. If those to whom Paul preached didn't receive the message, 
keep and move on to others. It can be discouraging and difficult to try and share Jesus with those who don't want to hear about it. We can't really force feed them something for which they have no appetite, like trying to spoon feed a full baby who continually spits up everything. If they reject the message, we can turn our energy and efforts towards others as well. There's no lack of people who need to know about Jesus and what he's done for them. In Acts chapter 28, when Paul was in Rome, he did something similar as to what he did here in Acts 13 in turning to the Gentiles because the Jews would not believe and emphasizing that fact before the Jews. <laughs> I mean, was it tasteful? Maybe not, but that's what Paul did. Paul would, in a sense, shove it in the Jews' faces, so to speak, regarding the Gentiles being offered salvation when the Jews rejected it. But why would he do that? Because he hoped their jealousy towards the Gentiles would somehow eventually spur them to embrace the gospel. Paul wrote in Romans 10, 13-14, Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Here in Acts 13, verse 47, Paul quotes from the book of Isaiah to qualify his action of turning to the Gentiles. He's essentially telling them, look, it's in scripture. Salvation is for the Gentiles. Let's keep reading, starting in verse 48. As the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of God as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. All right, imagine some doomsday scenario where, let's say, some sort of solar flare or like radioactive wave was headed to Earth and was gonna wipe out all of humanity. There was plenty of advanced warning. The only way to survive when it happened was to wear a special supersuit. Let's say only the U.S. had the means and technology to make the suit. They had produced enough supersuits to save everyone on the planet, but that was on the down low. The U.S. citizens were to get first dibs on the offer. The suit was free. You just had to receive the gift. Word around the street was that the U.S. wasn't going to offer the salvation suit to anyone other than American citizens. Other countries were without hope. But then, let's say, an official announcement comes from the U.S. government that this super salvation suit is for anyone who would receive it, regardless of nationality. If you are Russian, you could be saved. If you are Chinese, you could be saved. Suddenly, there was hope for everyone. Now, Paul told the Gentiles, For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you as a light for the Gentiles, that you should bring salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. These Gentiles were being offered hope and salvation in Christ, salvation from sin and death into a personal and eternal relationship with their maker. This salvation wasn't just for the Jews, it was also for them. No wonder they rejoiced. And Luke records in the second half of verse 48, that as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Jesus had said in John chapter 10 about a sheep, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hands. 
And Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. These are words of comfort and security for those who believe. Jesus died for our sins and was raised for our justification. By believing in Jesus and what He's done on our behalf, we can know that the assurance of the forgiveness of sins and gift of eternal life is ours. We are given God's perfect righteousness in Christ as a free gift. We are holy and blameless in God's sight because Christ's perfect righteousness covers us. Jesus was indeed delivered up for our sins according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Now, if you don't currently believe in Jesus, why put it off any longer? You see, there's a day of wrath coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. If you haven't trusted in Christ for salvation, your sins lay naked and exposed before a holy God. And to be honest and frank, hell awaits. But receive Jesus today as your personal Lord and Savior, and you can know immediately your sins are covered in Him. You are holy and blameless in God's sight, and heaven awaits. labor for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven. I give my life for the world. I am the bread of Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Shall never
That was Bread of Life from the Adams Road album Great Commission. I had the word of God in my hands I looked into its pages And I couldn't see you I tried so hard to understand But I was struck with blindness Created by man Then you opened up my eyes And let me see your truth The deaf will hear And the blind will see That you are everything Jesus, you are everything And those asleep will arise And all together we will sing That you are everything Jesus, your love is everything For the longest time I couldn't was a voice from a false prophet stopping my ears But then you healed me and I heard the beauty of your grace in the power of your word That plain and precious truth that finally set me Deaf Will Hear, from the Adams Road album, Great Commission.
This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 13, verses 46 to 52. Grace and peace be with you all.